Today we're going to continue in our, our, our Pivotal Moments series, actually our, our last one on the Pivotal Moments of the Life of Jesus. And, and uh, I was thinking as I was getting ready for this particular one, I was thinking ab- about just all the advancements that we've made in, in society, you know, with technology. Think about, you know, how far, it's interesting like that, that my sons will, they, my sons do not know what a dial tone is. I mean, really, think about it. I mean, they, 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 don't, they don't know that you pick up the phone and then dial the number. No, you dial the number and hit send. And, and it's, it's fascinating how much technology has done uh, things, things like now. I mean, think about how far we've come. Like this thing, Venmo, right? Where like, it's like, it's like if you've you got a kid at home, you know what Venmo is, right? If you've got a college student, you definitely know what Venmo is. Mom, I need money now. Right now, I can't buy anything until you send money, right? Venmo. And I should try that on my parents, you know, at 48. Uh, my dad always says, even at 48, I'm the king of uh, never having cash. You know, I was cashless before. I, I caught on. I was cashless for a different reason, because dad had money. And, uh, you know, so, yeah. But the Venmo, it's really cool. You can swap money back and forth. And, and uh, I was thinking, uh, too, but think, about, think about how far it's come. No kidding, like hearing aids with Bluetooth in them, Right. Like, you, you could literally, if you don't like my preaching, like, you could tune in somebody else, and I would never know, right? Some of you probably do that, right, already. I know Tony Vaughn does it, uh, but, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the coolest stuff. Like, you can, I, I see people, like, changing their, their, uh, their Bluetooth headphones inside their ear. It, it's fascinating what, what can happen, or think about the fact that we got things like Tesla now, right? Right here in Franklin, you see all these, they actually... Cars actually work and work well. It, it's it's really interesting about how far that we've come with cars that are even driving themselves now and and parking themselves and it. it it's, you know, I was telling a friend of mine the other day, Amazon uh, came on, uh, I was watching a, a, a video and, and a, a, an ad cut in, this was just over the weekend, and, and Amazon was saying now they're going to, they're making these two-hour guaranteed deliveries on groceries. I'm like, pretty soon you're going to be able to just say, you know, mocha latte, and it's going to just appear in your hand, you know, it, 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 it's going to be that quick. I mean, it, it's fascinating how, how much life has gotten faster and easier and better. Um, think about organ donation. Like, I, 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 I've, I, I told Michelle, like, I want to be an organ donor. I, I want to, I want to, I really do. When you think about how we can, uh, organs now, and, and transplants, and how you can take, take your kidneys, your heart, you can, you can give your body to science, and, and now you can, is, does it not just boggle your mind that they could take, like, my lungs and, and, pretty effectively maybe put them in someone else or a kidney or a liver or uh, and actually make that work it, and and somebody that that you know 20 30 40 years ago was going to die 100% they were going to die now actually not only might they not live they could live well it, it's 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 fascinating how how life has picked up in our advancements but at the same time if you think about how far we've come think about the human condition. Has it, has, it, has it ever made you think that with all the advancements that we've made, the human condition is no better? Greed is still just as greedy. Greed has done just as much as it ever has. Racism 
With all of our advancements, it is still here and it is still real to this very day. Materialism hasn't gotten better with all of our advancements, right? Sexual sin is just as devastating as it's, as it's really ever been. I mean, when you look at, at where we are in, in life, in our world, anxiety, it might be worse than it's ever been right now in our nation's history. So it's fascinating that as far as we've come with making life work and move better, we still can't get over some of the things that really are the, the issues of the human condition. And so it just tells us, it proves to us that the human condition cannot improve through human advancement. The human condition can't improve just through human advancement. No, God, God gave us a way to see the human condition, the things that really matter. All these other things do matter. They, they really do matter, but they don't matter the most. Because what matters the most is our relationship to God and the human condition in our state of in need of redemption. And for that, God gave a vehicle. And that vehicle to, to tackle the human condition was going to be his son working through his people, through his church. That's the vehicle. And so we're going to talk about that very thing today. I want to talk to you today about what Jesus did in our last piece here on Pivotal Moments in Jesus' Life, what Jesus did to empower my future. And we're going to talk about this issue of, of what he did to tackle the things that matter most. And so I want you to turn to Gospel of Luke. It is uh, in the New Testament. If you're watching, maybe you're listening to a podcast, or it's if you have a, a digital, uh, you know, phone or iPad, and you want to get on U version, uh, New American Standard is what I'm using. Luke chapter 24, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke right before John, and we're going to look at. So here, let me give you the context really quick. So Jesus, Jesus has gone to the cross. Jesus has come out of the grave. And now, for several weeks, Jesus has walked among real people. There have been multiple sightings. Even at one particular time, he appeared to like roughly 500 people. I mean, these are documented historical events. And so, so Jesus is now about... He had been telling them for, for you know, years he was going to go back to the Father, right? Been telling them for years that he, he was going to come, but a little while longer you're going to see me no more. And, 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 he's, and so, you know, they're starting to realize maybe he wasn't joking. Maybe, wow, he really, wow, he really did die. Wow, he really, he really did come out of the grave. So he's talking about going back to the Father. And, and so he's in the last, and this is pretty cool, he's in the last few seconds of his physical earthly presence, right? Pretty, pretty, can you imagine? Can you imagine being there for that? Like you're all standing around. And he's talking to you like he always did. And all of a sudden, like he starts moving up. That's, hey, listen, if you don't like supernatural things, don't become a Christian. I mean, things happen around Jesus. What, what we call abnormal is very normal to God in, in many ways. And so they're struggling with belief that the road to Emmaus has happened. And they're, some of them are 
mind blown that, that G- they actually did see Jesus just like he promised. And pick it up in verse 45, uh, the last few verses there in, in chapter four, 24. And verse 45, it says, Then he, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third, on the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father. That's the Holy Spirit he's talking about. I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city, the important phrase right here, until you are clothed with power. From on high. And then he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and he was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. Wouldn't you have liked to have been on that walk back? Can you imagine? Like you just go to church and then you just go eat roast or something, you know? But you're going on that walk back, and you go, did that really happen back there? Y'all, whoa. I mean, this is, this is a, it's a big deal, what they encountered and what they saw. But there's something that happened as I was reading through this whole chapter and kind of taking my time moving through it. There was something that Jesus said to these people right before he said that that really it kind of just, you ever, you ever been reading the Bible, and, and for whatever reason, like there's a phrase that just you stop at. Like it just, wham. And, and you, you've had that happen to you. Like you're in a season of life and, and, and you've been praying about something or something's been on your heart and you hit a verse and you're like, you just can't, you can't move past it till you kind of wrestle with it for a minute. And, and, and so right here, it's, uh, in fact, I, I put it up on the screen for you. It said, some of those uh, who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe. And all the prophets had spoken. It was that phrase, slow of heart. Slow of heart. That he had been telling them all the time about the promise of the Father. He'd been telling them all the time about what was coming next. And, and, and they were just slow of heart to believe. And, and so what's happening at the ascension is that Jesus, he, two things kind of have to happen. And they both kind of, one happens while the other one is coming. And the, as, as Jesus goes away, he's sending the power of the Spirit, the power of himself. So, and he tells them, that's about to come. And it did come. And we hear about that. And so as, one, as, as, as his physical presence goes away, his spiritual presence comes into play very soon after that. And all of this he had been happening. So with the ascension, the reason that it's a pivotal moment, the reason that the essential, pivotal moment of the ascension is so critical is because without the ascension, the Holy Spirit can't invade all of the believers. Jesus told us, you need me to go away. You need me. I can only, I'm only here in, in mind and body and, and physical realm, but I can't inhabit all of you and empower you unless I go away. So you need me to go away. So now the, 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 the Jesus on the earth becomes the Jesus in me. And so I, that's why I talk to you so often about the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the only part of the Trinity that's on the earth. 
right? The Holy Spirit is Christ in me. And somehow the enemy has managed over the, over the last 2,000 years. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I've said this before. I'm going to keep saying it because you don't retain much of what I say. And, and, but I'm going to just keep telling you that this is so critical. See, I, I am convinced. Now, you're not going to find this tucked away somewhere in Titus somewhere, okay? This is just me putting the pieces together to the best I know how. But we know that the devil is not, he is not all-knowing, right? He's not all-knowing, and he can't be everywhere at once. He's not all-present. We know that. So you cannot convince me that the devil saw the Holy Spirit Pentecost coming. He may have heard of it, but I mean, can, so I, I, I'm looking at it this way. I think when, when, when the enemy saw the Holy Spirit as promised, now he's got a real problem. Because, see, there was just one Jesus. But now he's in every one of them that believe. Do you understand the wrecking crew that we could become? To his agenda. They are all empowered. This man that I couldn't keep in the grave, if you're the devil, you're the, if this man I couldn't keep in the grave, this man I couldn't beat, this man I couldn't defeat, all of a sudden now, not only has he come out of the grave, now he has sent on the day of Pentecost. Now he's in every one of them. So he can't beat that. So what does he do? It's, in, it's genius. He somehow convinces Jesus' people to be a little bit skeptical of Christ in me. He somehow teaches Jesus' people to be a little bit skeptical of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's genius. Because now, think about it. I, I, you've heard me say it before, right? This is Eric. Eric didn't know. You sit in the front row, you get called out. So, so if, if, if my friend Eric, so I've known Eric a long, long time. So Eric, Eric is actually a man of God. I know him very well. He, 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 he is a complete man of God. I, I love him dearly. So if I, if I introduced you, hey, this is my friend Eric, and he's a man of God, you would go, wow, that's so great. We bumped into each other, you know, maybe at Target or something. This is my friend Eric, and he's a man of God. Ooh, that's great. Uh, I'm glad to know a man of God. But if I said to him, this is my friend Eric. Hey, by the way, this is my friend Eric. He's full of the Holy Spirit. What would you rather him be full of? Right? I mean, what could be better than be being empowered by the Holy Spirit? But do we all know, what does that mean, full of the Holy Spirit? Why is that alarming? That is normal Christianity. It is baseline, 101 Christianity. So these, these people on the road to Emmaus, they were slow in heart to believe. And Jesus says, the prophets have been talking about this. The, they, we've been talking about this for you know, millennium. And, and, and why is this so difficult? So now the Holy Spirit has come. The ascension has happened. And what happened is at the ascension, now the, the church is birthed. And, and so now all of a sudden we're here and we have this new found power that the ascension kind of... I look at the ascension kind of like it's the igniter. It, 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 it had to come first before the Pentecost came. And so now that, now that the ascension has happened, Jesus' earthly ministry in bodily form is done. And so what happened in that moment? 
In that moment that the ascension happened and then the Holy Spirit right behind that, he's, he tells them to, to wait and then power's going to come. A couple, a couple of things happen to you, to me. We, we are all, you may not realize it, right? But we are all recipients of that moment. We, that moment affected us just like it did Peter. That moment affected us just like it did Paul, just like it did Martin Luther. That moment affected all of us the same. So what happened in that moment when the ascension goes in and, and then Pentecost comes? Well, I would say the first thing is that, that God gave me the authority of Christ to minister to a broken world. You see, Christ in me now gives me the authority of Christ to minister to a broken world, and Jesus points it out. Look at what he says right here, okay? So we're going to pick it up in verse uh, 46. He says, thus it was written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name. That matters. In his name. That matters. It matters because we're not going out preaching repentance of sins because it sounds good. We're not going out preaching repentance of sins because it's just the right thing to do in a religious sense. No, we have actually been giving the authority of Jesus. He said, I'm sending you out. To preach, forget that you're, so it's, it's literally, you can go up to your friend, if you're not working remote, you can go up to your friend and you can say to your friend, hey, your sins can be forgiven. And you can do that with authority because it was given to you with authority. So now Christ in me has now become the hope of glory. So it matters. So, and, he, and he's given us that authority to, to do that to a, a broken world. We talk a lot about cultures, right? I mean, you hear that word all the time, like corporate culture, what's your culture like, and, and we, that, what, what's, your, what's the vibe of the people you work with. Well, let's think about the culture of the church. What did this do? What, the, what, what this story did is, is the, the culture of the church, in effect, it is a physical, the, the church is a physical reality operating in a spiritual realm. Do you understand the power of that? The church is not a building. The church isn't even a strategy or a vision. The church is a physical reality that operates in a spiritual realm because that's where the most eternal things happen. And Jesus gave me the authority to minister to a broken world. You know, we're talking to, you just saw a video a minute ago. Uh, some of our university students went and, and went on a mission trip this week. And man, it, you know, it was, it, it was, we, we prayed. We prayed last week that it would mess with them. Didn't we? Remember that? We prayed that it would stretch them, freak them out. They would cry. They would smile. But most of all, they would come back bothered. And they did. See, that's what happens when when you enter into the, to the place where, where sin has, has damaged in ways that you're not used to seeing, then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, I really can be used of God. I really can. And it was so good for them. That, 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 is, that is what we're called to do. We're called to take the authority of Christ into a, a broken world. But that's not all. I would also say when the, ascension, when the ascension happened and the church was born, I would say that God gave me the power of Christ to engage a broken world. Not just the authority... Okay, authority's one thing, right? Hey, you've all, by the way, you've all worked with, you ever worked in situations where the person who had the authority didn't have the power? You've been around that? Isn't it wild sometimes that 
The person who has the, the most authority on the door or the, or the, the, the right to call the shots, well, it's fascinating sometimes how somebody three or four levels down, if you really want that done, you better talk to the person that can actually make it happen, right? So, so authority is one thing, power is another. Jesus gave us both, you guys. He gave us both. We have authority and power. Authority to do it in his name and the power to actually get it done. And so Jesus has done that. And he's done that through the power of the Holy Spirit. I love what, this was, this was something that really kind of bounced out with me in verse 49. He said, behold, I'm, I'm sending forth the promise of the Father. I told you I was going give, to give it to you. It's me. I'm giving you myself. But then look at what he says. He gives a qualifier in verse 49. But you're to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Now, why would he say that? Because you can't operate in the spiritual realm without spiritual power. You're going to get your teeth kicked in. I'm telling you. You don't, you don't start walking into the places God puts you without spiritual power and spiritual authority. You're going to get your lunch handed to you. So, so what, why does this matter so much? Well, when you look at being clothed with power, here's something about the New Testament church I think that is, is so foundational. The New Testament church, did you notice the New Testament church? They didn't run from the power. They, they weren't skeptical of the authority. They didn't run from the authority. They embraced it. They embraced it. They, they took in the authority of Christ because they walked with him. They talked with him. And, 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 and so they understood that, no, he's commissioned us with this, and we're going we're gonna to pick up the weapons, right? The weapons of our warfare, as Paul says, are, are not earthly. They're spiritual. But weapons really don't matter unless you pick them up. They really don't matter. So they, they, they picked up the weapons. And so the Holy Spirit now is inside of us, and it's there for a reason. The Holy Spirit, he does a lot of things for us, chief among which is validation of our salvation. Paul talks about that in Romans 8. In Romans 8, Paul, Paul says it this way, for you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Dad. The spirit himself, this is important, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit. That we are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs also. So the, whole, the, the Holy Spirit connects with, he's in me, Christ in me. And so the, so the Holy Spirit now is a two-way conversation. That the power of the Holy Spirit living in me is validation that I have been changed. Now, the, sometimes I think people can get this really out in left field. Because a lot of times, you, you, we've, we've seen this happen for a couple hundred years, maybe more, couple, maybe more than a couple hundred years, where, where people will look at manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit to prove salvation. That's not fair, one thing. And two, it's not true. The, the, the validation, the proof of salvation comes that the Holy Spirit is in me. And it is part of his role to testify to my inner man and to your inner woman that, that, that we are children of God. 
God doesn't want you to, to walk around afraid of your eternal security. Because if you live in fear, you can't operate in power, right? So, so you are there. The Holy Spirit is there inside of you to testify on a two-way street. So the, the gifts are there just as manifestations. And so God has given the body multiple gifts. Some people, some of you have gifts of service where you just serve really well. Like it is... It like brings you life to mow people's yards. I don't get that at all. It's weird. Really weird. But God's, God's given some of you, he gives you life. You, he's given some of you the gift of teaching. And man, you know, when you step into that moment where you open up the word of God with a small group of people and you know who's got that gift, don't you? Because, I mean, when you see them operating, you're like, look at that. Hey, isn't it neat to see somebody when they step into what God has called them to do? Some of you are intercessors, man. I mean, and you, you pray different than I do. You just do. You pray different than I do. And, and God's given you that. But why? To build up the body. So the Bible says that God's given some of us gifts of healing. That's not abnormal. That's normal Christianity. God's given the body all kinds of gifts, but the Bible is very clear that all of those gifts, some, not all, the, the, all, all of us have different gifts to build up the body to maturity. And so, so that's why Jesus says, wait until the power comes. Because you can't, you can't operate in the spiritual realm on natural power. Do you understand that? It's carnal. It's carnal, in effect. And that's why I will tell you over and over and over again, this is, you know, older I get in ministry, you know, and when you first start out, you know, you think everything's important. You draw a line in the sand almost daily with somebody, and you're not willing to move, right? You know, you find out pretty soon. You, when I, I, I tell younger pastors when I meet them, like when I got into ministry, my list of non-negotiables was like 12 feet long, you know, and now my list of non-negotiables is about that long. You know, it's just, you just learn not to die on every hill, right? But, but I will tell you one hill, one hill that I will die on, 100%. I will. I will die on the hill of the fact that the future of Clearview doesn't rest in the balance of us getting the perfect vision and the perfect strategy and the perfect staff and the perfect everything. The future of our church rests on supernatural empowerment. That is the future of our church. We, we can't, we can't, we can, hey man, listen, look around America. You can see place after place blowing up with huge numbers. And, it, and, and you look at the core doctrines of a lot of that and it's heresy in many cases. Not all cases, but some. No, listen, attendance and size if, if, if that's validation for spirit empowerment, well, all I know is Jesus changed the world with 12 dudes. 12. We're still talking about them. 12. And, they, and I'm telling you, it, it doesn't... It does, our future can never rest. We, we've got to put visions together, and we've got to put strategies together, and we've got to put finance plans together, and budget things together, and things like our land development. We've got to do all that, and praise God, that's important. But I'm telling you, none of it's as important as us having an appetite 
for the power of God resting on our lives. Because the power of God resting on our lives will take us further than any strategy, any marketing, any perfect staff. It'll go further than ever. Do you realize that that's why I think that Pharisees and Sadducees were so confounded that Jesus appeared and he walked right around them, right past them, right through them to pick up blue-collar laborers that knew nothing theologically But what they did have was heart. And they wanted change. And they weren't afraid. It gives me hope. Seriously, it gives me hope. It lets me know that God can take normal people and do very abnormal things. So we've been given power and authority to engage our world and minister to our world. But it didn't stop there with the ascension. Okay? When, this, when, when Christ went to heaven and then he sent himself, there's something else that happened right there. There was a transaction that took place, and, and it's mission critical, and I don't want you to look past it. And it is this, that God, God, gave me, God gave me a commission to live out a greater story. You see, God didn't just give you power and authority for you to you know, stick it right in there and go, all right, it's all better now. He did not give you his power. And he did not give you his authority to put it in a bottle, put a lid on that thing, and put it on the shelf for, you know, label it, you know, only when needed. He gave you power and authority that you might experience him and be part of a greater story. And he actually gave you a commission to go tell it. He gave us a commission to to go execute that into the world. But so often, I think, when you look at the Christian church, we, we actually do go the wrong direction with it. We take, we take the power, and we take the authority, and we put it in an envelope, we slide it in our purse, or put it in our jacket, and, or we stick it in our Bible, and, 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 we, and, and we don't, and then we wonder, we wonder why God doesn't use us. Jesus came to set you free, and he came to set you into motion to, that you could live out this, this greater story. But yet along the way, in the, at least in the American church, I don't know about other countries. I've never served in other countries. But I can tell you, if you look back at the track record of American Christianity, somewhere along the way, the benchmark of discipleship became scholarship. Somewhere along the way, we we got scholarship confused with like the the people that are true disciples are the most learned among us. I want to say something to you. My very life has been changed, challenged, and benefited from scholars. I'm not kidding. I mean, I, I... Don't for a second think that that scholarship isn't important. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, and what? Your mind. We are to learn the ways of God. And there are those that are called to teach us how to learn the ways of God. And I, I sat under many men and women in my seminary years, and even to this day, I'm a lifelong learner, and I pursue learning, and, and learning is it's mission critical. God, but, but understand something, God did not call all of us to scholarship. He didn't. He called some of us to scholarship. 
But he did call all of us to being a witness. Every one of us is called to be a witness. Regardless of your profession, regardless of your status of wealth, regardless of your place in this world, regardless if you live in a tiny place in Brazil or a really nice home in Williamson County, we are all called to be witnesses. All of us. And so when you look at that, what you see is that Jesus said to wait for power from on high. But look at what he said in verse 47. You're to go out proclaiming repentance for the forgiveness of sins in his name to all the nations. Starting in Jerusalem, you are witnesses. Every single person in that crowd heard that. You, you are witnesses of these things. Let me tell you why this matters so much. The reason we talk about purpose at Clearview, you hear us talk about discovering your purpose, and you hear us talking about no more purposeless people. And, and, and the reason that we've chosen that is because we know that it, it passed the test of time. 18-year-olds today and 88-year-olds today and 18-year-olds 20 years from now and 88-year-olds 20, 20 years from now will all struggle at some point with why did God put me here? Why did God put me here? You were born for a reason. You weren't born to just get up Find, go through school, find a job after school, and then get married, maybe have some children, maybe get a divorce, maybe not, get older in life, get a disease, and die. That is not, if that's God's ultimate plan, that is a cruel joke on humanity. God did not put us here just to exist and then die one day. We've all, we all got to die but we were put here for a reason, and that reason is to join a bigger story that God could actually take me, and God could actually take you, and God could actually change lives for his glory through you, and your job, and your calling, and your passions, and your desires. But until you discover what that is, you're not going to discover the power. The power comes when you align, listen to me, this is really important, the power comes when you align your agenda underneath his. And so what I think happens so often in Christianity is that many Christians live quiet lives of unfulfillment. And the reason is, is because they've never taken their agenda and put it underneath the power of the cross. See, God, God will not be your business partner. I love that bumper sticker that I saw a lot in the 90s, God is my co-pilot. And I always used to think, you need to change seats, buddy. If God's flying beside you, you're, you're going into a hill. Your instruments aren't that good. No, God... God is not interested in being a, a, a co-conspirator in your cause. But he is interested in you aligning to his. And when you align to his, I want to tell you something. I'm telling you, when you, whatever your calling is, when you start stepping into your calling, whether it's business, teaching, family, any type of practice, 
academics. When you start stepping into your calling, I'm going to tell you, things will change. When you start saying, hey, God, I will use what I love to make the kingdom of God move forward. That's when you'll see power happen. So we've been given power, we've been given authority, and we've been given a commission to live it out. And when you do that, things happen. Because the reason, the reason is simple. The reason people spend so much time in quiet desperation and quiet unfulfillment in the church is because God will only fund his vision. He won't fund yours. He'll fund his vision. So I, I put it together like this. God only funds his kingdom agenda. So when you take your alignment and when you align yourself with his agenda, you will see things change. You will see power happen. You'll see confidence go up. You'll, you'll see purpose ignited. You'll, you'll get up every day. I'm telling you, I, I can stand before you 100%. I can stand before you in good conscience and say, I have some bad days. I even have sometimes some bad seasons. But I want to tell you what, I don't and I never have had a bad job. And the reason I don't have a bad job is because regardless of how you act, that'll hit you later. <laughs> regardless of how you act, it doesn't change my calling. See, I'm free most of the time. I'm getting better at this. Not always. Comes and goes. I'm working to constantly be free of anybody's validation of my calling. Because I don't need it. I don't need it on the good, and I don't need it on the bad. My validation comes through a simple calling, stepping into it. But you can have that too. You can have no more Mondays. You can have no more Mondays. You can have a time where, where you get up and that alarm clock goes off and you go, man, I get to do what God wants me to do today. And you can experience that very, that very truth. But you're never going to find it doing it your way. What I love about the New Testament church is they were told to wait till the power came. And when the power came, they went. And they experienced God. They experienced him. They learned about him, and they also experienced him. And the world changed because of it. And that can be you too. You don't have to be bored. You don't have to live unfulfilled. You really don't. But you do have to live submitted. You do have to live submitted if you want significance. Significance will come through submission. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.